Chapter 3, Part 3 of The Commentaries on the Laws of England, Book 2, by William Blackstone. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Roy Haynes of Incorporeal Hereditaments Part 3 4. A fourth species of incorporeal hereditaments is that of waves, or the right of going over another man's ground. I speak not here of the king's highways, which lead from town to town, nor yet of common ways leading from a village into the fields but of private ways, in which a particular man may have an interest and a right, though another be owner of the soil. This may be grounded on a special permission, as when the owner of the land grants to another a liberty of passing over his grounds to go to church, to market, or the like, in which case the gift or grant is particular and confined to the grantee alone. It dies with the person. And if the grantee leaves the country, he cannot assign over his right to any other, nor can he justify taking another person in his company. A way may be also by prescription, as if all the owners and occupiers of such a farm have immemorially used to cross another's ground. For this immemorial usage supposes an original grant, whereby a right-of-way thus appurtenant to land may clearly be created. A right-of-way may also arise by act and operation of law. For if a man grants me a piece of ground in the middle of his field, he at the same time tacitly and impliedly gives me a way to come at it and I may cross his land for that purpose without trespass. For when the law doth give anything to one, it giveth impliedly whatsoever is necessary for enjoying the same. By the law of the twelve tables at Rome, where a man had the right of way over another's land, and the road was out of repair, he who had the right of way might go over any part of the land he pleased, which was the established rule in public as well as private ways. And the law of England, in both cases, seems to correspond with the Roman. 5. Offices, which are a right to exercise a public or private employment, and the fees and emoluments thereunto belonging, are also incorporeal hereditaments, whether public, as those of magistrates, or private, as of bailiffs, receivers, and the like. For a man may have an estate in them, either to him and his heirs, or for life, or for a term of years, or during pleasure only, save only that offices of public trust cannot be granted for a term of years, especially if they concern the administration of justice, for then they might perhaps vest in the executors or administrators." Neither can any judicial office be granted in reversion, because, though the grantee may be able to perform it at the time of the grant, yet before the office falls he may become unable and insufficient. But ministerial offices may be so granted, for those may be executed by deputy. Also, 
by statute 5 and 6, Edward VI, C-16, no public office shall be sold under pain of disability to dispose of or hold it. For the law presumes that he who buys an office will by bribery, extortion, or other unlawful means make his purchase good to the manifest detriment of the public. 6. Dignities bear a relation to offices. Of the nature of these, we treat it at large in the former book. It will therefore be here sufficient to mention them as a species of incorporeal hereditaments wherein a man may have a property or estate. 7. Franchises are a seventh species. Franchise and liberty are used as synonymous terms and their definition is a royal privilege or branch of the king's prerogative subsisting in the hands of a subject. Being therefore derived from the crown, they must arise from the king's grant, or, in some cases, may be held by prescription, which, as has been frequently said, presupposes a grant. The kinds of them are various and almost infinite. I will here briefly touch upon some of the principle, premising only that they may be vested in either natural persons or bodies politic, in one man or in many. But the same identical franchise that has before been granted to one cannot be bestowed on another, for that would prejudice the former grant. To be a county palatine is a franchise, vested in a number of persons. It is likewise a franchise for a number of persons to be incorporated and subsist as a body politic with a power to maintain perpetual succession and do other corporate acts. And each individual member of such corporation is also said to have a franchise or freedom. Other franchises are to hold a court leet, to have a manor or lordship, or at least to have a lordship paramount, to have waifs, wrecks, estrays, treasure trove, royal fish, forfeitures, and deodans, to have a court of one's own, or liberty of holding pleas and trying causes, to have the cognizance of pleas, which is still a greater liberty, being an exclusive right, so that no other court shall try causes arising within that jurisdiction to have a bailiwick, or liberty exempt from the sheriff of the county, wherein the grantee only and his officers are to execute all process, to have a fair or market, with the right of taking toll, either there or at any other public places, as at bridges, wharfs, and the like, which tolls must have reasonable cause of commencement, as in consideration of repairs or the like, else the franchise is illegal and void. Or, lastly, to have a forest, chase, park, warren, or fishery endowed with privileges of royalty, which species of franchise may require a more minute discussion. As to a forest, this, in the hands of a subject, is properly the same thing with a chase, being subject to the common law and not to the forest laws but a chase differs from a park in that it is not enclosed and also 
in that a man may have a chase in another man's ground as well as his own, being indeed the liberty of keeping beasts of chase or royal game therein, protected even from the owner of the land with a power of hunting them thereon. A park is an enclosed chase extending only over a man's own ground. The word park indeed properly signifies any enclosure, but yet it is not every field or common which a gentleman pleases to surround with a wall or paling and to stock with a herd of deer that is thereby constituted a legal park. For the king's grant, or at least immemorial prescription, is necessary to make it so. Though now the difference between a real park and such enclosed grounds is in many respects not very material, only that it is unlawful at common law for any person to kill any beasts of park or chase, except such as possess these franchises of forest, chase, or park. Free Warren is a similar franchise, erected for preservation or custody, which the word signifies, of beasts and fowls of Warren, which, being ferai naturai, every one had a natural right to kill as he could. But upon introduction of the forest laws at the Norman conquest, as will be shown hereafter, these animals being looked upon as royal game and the sole property of our savage monarchs, this franchise of free warren was invented to protect them. By giving the grantee a sole and exclusive power of killing such game so far as his warrant extended on condition of his preventing other persons. A man, therefore, that has the franchise of warrant is in reality no more than a royal gamekeeper. But no man, not even the lord of a manor, could by common law justify sporting on another's soil or even his own unless he had the liberty. Of free warren. This franchise is almost fallen into disregard since the new statutes for preserving the game, the name being now chiefly preserved in grounds that are set apart for breeding hares and rabbits. There are many instances of keen sportsmen in ancient times who have sold their estates and reserved the free warren or right of killing game to themselves, by which means it comes to pass that a man and his heirs may have sometimes free warrant over another's ground. A free fishery or exclusive right of fishing in a public river is also a royal franchise and is considered as such in all countries where the feudal polity has prevailed, though making such grants and by that means appropriating what seems to be unnatural to restrain the use of running water was prohibited for the future by King John's great charter, and the rivers that were fenced in his time were directed to be laid open, as well as the forests to be disafforested. This opening was extended by the second and third charters of Henry III to those also that were fenced under Richard I so that a franchise of free fishery ought now to be at least as old as the reign of Henry II. This differs from a several fishery, because he that has a several fishery must also be the owner of the soil, which in a free fishery is not requisite. 
It differs also from a common piscary before mentioned in that the free fishery is an exclusive right. The common of piscary is not so, and therefore, in a free fishery, a man has a property in the fish before they are caught, in a common piscary, not till afterwards. Some, indeed, have considered a free fishery not as a royal franchise, but merely as a private grant of a liberty to fish in the several fishery of the grantor. But the considering such a right as originally a flower of the prerogative, till restrained by Magna Carta, and derived by royal grant previous to the reign of Richard I, to such as now claim it by prescription, may remove some difficulties in respect to this matter, with which our books are embarrassed. 8. Carides are a right of sustenance, or to receive certain allotments of victual and provision for one's maintenance, in lieu of which, especially when due from ecclesiastical persons, a pension or sum of money is sometimes substituted. And these may be reckoned another species of incorporeal hereditaments, though not chargeable on or issuing from any corporeal inheritance, but only charged on the person of the owner in respect of such his inheritance. To these may be added 9. Annuities, which are much of the same nature, only that these arise from temporal as the former from spiritual persons. An annuity is a thing very distinct from a rent charge with which it is frequently confounded. A rent charge being a burden imposed upon and issuing out of lands, whereas an annuity is a yearly sum chargeable only upon the person of the grantor. Therefore, if a man by deed grant to another the sum of twenty pounds per annum, without expressing out of what lands it shall issue, no land at all shall be charged with it, but it is a mere personal annuity, which is of so little account in the law, that if granted to an eleemosynary corporation, it is not within the statutes of Mortmain, and yet a man may have a real estate in it, though his security is merely personal. 10. Rents are the last species of incorporeal hereditaments. The word rent, or render, reditus, signifies a compensation or return, it being in the nature of an acknowledgment given for the possession of some corporeal inheritance. It is defined to be a certain profit issuing yearly out of lands and tenements corporeal. It must be a profit. Yet there is no occasion for it to be, as it usually is, a sum of money. For spurs, capons, horses, corn, and other matters may be rendered, and frequently are rendered, by way of rent. It may also consist in services or manual operations, as to plow so many acres of ground, to attend the king or the lord to the wars, and the like, which service in the eye of the law, are profits. This profit must also be certain, or that which may be reduced to a certainty by either party. It must also issue yearly, though there is no occasion for it to issue every successive year, but it may be reserved for every second, third, or fourth year. Yet, 
as it is to be produced out of the profits of the land and tenements as a recompense for being permitted to hold and enjoy them, it ought to be reserved yearly because those profits do annually arise and are annually renewed. It must issue out of the thing granted and not be part of the land or thing itself, wherein it differs from an exception in the grant, which is always of part of the thing granted. It must, lastly, issue out of lands and tenements corporeal, that is, form some inheritance whereunto the owner or grantee of the rent may have recourse to distrain. Therefore, a rent cannot be reserved out of an advowson, a common, an office, a franchise, or the like. But a grant of such annuity or sum may operate as a personal contract and oblige the grantor to pay the money reserved or subject him to an action of debt. Though it doth not affect the inheritance and is no legal rent in contemplation of law. There are at common law three manner of rents rent service, rent charge, and rent sec. Rent service is so called because it hath some corporeal service incident to it, as at the least fealty or the feudal oath of fidelity. For if a tenant holds his land by fealty and ten shillings rent, or by the service of ploughing the Lord's land and five shillings rent, these pecuniary rents, being connected with personal services, are therefore called rent service. And for these, in case they be behind or arrear, at the day appointed, the Lord made distrain of common right without reserving any special power of distress provided he hath in himself the reversion or future estate of the lands and tenements after the lease or particular estate of the lessee or grantee is expired. A rent charge is where the owner of the rent hath no future interest or reversion expectant in the land, as where a man by deed maketh over to others his whole estate in fee simple with a certain rent payable thereout and adds to the deed a covenant or clause of distress, that if the rent be arrear or behind, it shall be lawful to distrain for the same. In this case, the land is liable to the distress, not of common right, but by virtue of the clause in the deed. And therefore, it is called a rent charge, because in this manner the land is charged with a distress for the payment of it. Rent sec, redditus or barren rent, is in effect nothing more than a rent reserved by deed, but without any cause of distress. There are also other species of rents which are reducible to these three. Rents of a size are the certain established rents of the freeholders and ancient copyholders of a manner which cannot be departed from or varied. Those of the freeholders are frequently called chief rents, reditus capitalis, and both sorts are indifferently denominated quit rents, quieti reditus, because thereby the tenant goes quit and free of all other services. When these payments were reserved in silver or white money, they were anciently called white rents or blanche farms, Reditus Albi, 
in contradistinction to rents reserved in work, grain, etc., which were called reditos nigri, or blackmail. Rack rent is only a rent of the full value of the tenement or nearer it. A free farm rent is a rent charge issuing out of an estate in fee of at least one-fourth of the value of the lands at the time of its reservation. For a grant of lands, reserving so considerable a rent is indeed only letting lands to farm in fee simple instead of the usual methods of life or years. These are the general divisions of rent, but the difference between them, in respect to the remedy for recovering them, is now totally abolished, and all persons may have the like remedy by distress for rent sec, rents of a size, and chief rents, as in case of rents reserved upon lease. Rent is regularly due and payable upon the land from whence it issues if no particular place is mentioned in the reservation. But in case of the king, the payment must be either to his officers at the exchequer or to his receiver in the country. And strictly, the rent is demandable and payable before the time of sunset on the day whereon it is reserved though some have thought it not absolutely due till midnight. With regard to the original of rents, something will be said in the next chapter, and, as to the distresses and other remedies for their recovery, the doctrine relating thereto, and the several proceedings thereon, these belong properly to the third part of our commentaries, which will treat of civil injuries and the means whereby they are redressed. End of chapter 3, part 3.